Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Now podcast. At Calvary, our mission is to set people's hope in God and engage in the mission of God. Right now, we're in our Advent series, where we look at how Jesus is our hope, peace, joy, and love. Calvary, it is so good to see you on this Christmas Eve. And let me say a special welcome to those who are sitting out in our lobby uh, and joining us via video out there. Listen, if you're our guest, let me say once more just how glad we are to see you, how glad we're here. And we hope that you will join us in the coming weeks as we continue just in our celebration of who Christ is and how the gospel we believe changes absolutely everything. You know, I absolutely love this time of year. I absolutely love everything that this time of year represents. I love all the familiar traditions. I love gathering with my family and celebrating with all of that. I've shared with you, I feel like we have cracked the code when it comes to Christmas celebration in the Taburin family on Christmas Day. It's awesome, and I cannot wait to do that with my family tomorrow. But one of my favorite Christmas traditions is this. It's right here. It's with my church family on Christmas Eve day, reminding ourselves of all the incredible events surrounding the birth of Christ and everything that was accomplished when Christ came and was born. You know, one of the things I like to do, I've shared this with you before, you know, when we have familiar stories like the birth narrative, I think one of the things that's most helpful for us is if we'll push back and we'll actually remind ourselves of all that transpired and try to put ourselves in that very moment. And if you did, could you just imagine with me? Could you imagine what it must have been like for Mary to hear the words of the angel when the angel said, hey, Mary, don't be afraid for you found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be there with Joseph when on the heels of hearing that the woman he was to be married to is pregnant also receives word from the angel and says to him, Joseph, don't be afraid. Go and take Mary as your wife. And he goes and obediently follows the angel. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be on that hillside as we've already read from Luke chapter two and been one of the angels and seeing in that moment, the skies exploding with light. You know, it always cracks me up just a little bit that the angels say to them, fear not. I'm like, well, that's a little bit too late, right? I mean, can you imagine being there? Like fear not, like, whoa, I'm already afraid. But it wasn't just what they saw, it's what they heard. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Can you imagine going there and finding the baby Jesus wrapped in the swaddling cloths, just as the angels had told them? Can you imagine being the Magi coming from the East, traveling hundreds of miles, following the star? Now for sure, we know the Magi did not arrive on the night that Jesus was born. In fact, one of my friends told me that he puts the Magi from his nativity scene on the other side of the room, right? Because they've not yet made their way to Jesus. But can you imagine when they finally arrive and they look into the eyes of this child who they knew was born king of the Jews, but he wasn't just going to be their king, he would be their king too, not just for the Jews, but for them as well. You know, it's incredible. 
If you just really stop and think about all the extraordinary events surrounding the birth of Christ, yet while spectacular in and of themselves, it's not ultimately about these astonishing events that make the birth of Christ so special. It's all the promises that are wrapped up in the gift of this child. You know, our Advent devotionals, kids, if you've been doing this with your families, our Advent devotionals have been reminding us that Jesus has come to make the wrong things right and the dark things light. You know, one of the things I know that every, regarding, regardless of where you are, regardless of what your background is, one thing I know to be true, every single one of us here in this room within earshot of my voice, all of us are searching for the same things. Regardless of your background, regardless of your education, regardless of any of those things, we're all here in search of the good life. Every single one of us here longs to be known and loved. Every single one of us here is longing for a hope that won't disappoint. Every single one of us here is longing for a peace for the brokenness of our lives and the broken relationships that we have and the broken world that we find ourselves in. Every one of us here is searching for a joy and happiness that doesn't shift with the changing tide of our circumstances. We're all here searching, longing for that good life. And what it's because of that, it's because of that, it's because of those deep longings that every single one of us share that Christmas is such good news for us. Because as we look back over 2,000 years ago into that manger, we're reminded that God loved us so much that he would go to extraordinary lengths and make the ultimate sacrifice in order to satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. You know, in what's arguably the most famous verse in all the Bible, the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The God over all creation, he so loved us. He so loved us in our self-centered rebellion. He so loved us in our personal and relational dysfunction. He so loved us in the midst of all of our brokenness that he gave his only son. You know, when I hear those words, and I think right in the middle of the verse, you hear the word that that whoever believes in him. We see there in that word, the purpose, that whoever, the rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, for those of us whose lives feel like an utter mess, for whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, friends, on this glorious Christmas Eve day, my sincerest prayer is that we, some of us for the very first time and others of us for the thousandth time will understand that whoever believes in him and continues believing in him in Christ will find deep down what every single one of us is ultimately looking for. I wanna unashamedly say to you this morning, listen, through faith, we receive Christ who is the source of every single spiritual blessing, the love and the joy, the peace and the hope that we're all looking for is ultimately found in him. And so this morning, for just a moment, I wanna try to answer a question I think's a really, really important one. 
And that is this. Well, then, Will, tell me, what does it really mean to have faith, to believe? Because I want us to know and understand that faith is not some subjective feeling that you feel. Rather, faith is real trust in the real work of a real person in Jesus. It's real trust in the real work of a real person. And so what I wanna do for a moment is I wanna kind of work my way backwards from that. And I want us to understand deeply what this means. Faith is the real trust in the real work of a real person. To have faith is to believe that Jesus was born fully God and fully man at a real point in history, born into time and space. Stephen and Ellie so beautifully shared it with our kids from Galatians 4, that in the fullness of time, at a specific time, into history, the scripture teaches us that God put on flesh and dwelt among us. I was reading in my own Advent devotionals and one of the authors said this, if he was not flesh, then who was lying in the manger? And if he was not God, whom did the angels come down and glorify? If he was not flesh, who was wrapped in the swaddling clothes? And if he was not God, whom did the shepherds and the magi worship? Listen, Jesus is not some mythological figure, but God himself taking on flesh, being born, born to Mary and Joseph that fateful night in Bethlehem, a real person. But listen, you will never fully understand the significance of the cradle if you don't also understand the sacrifice made on the cross. You see, faith is real trust in the real work of a real person. Jesus came into this world and he led a sinless life. He was tempted like we are. He experienced trials like we are. I was listening to a friend talk about this and he was like, you know, you ever wonder why Jesus came and lived 30, 30 years before he ever began his public ministry? It was in part so that he could be tempted and tried in every way, just as we are, so that we can have a savior who fully knows and fully understands all of that. He was tempted and tried in every way and yet without sin. He perfectly obeyed in all things. And then we read in John chapter 12 that Jesus says to us, it's for this reason that I came. And that reason was to go to the cross. That reason was to go to the cross and there on the cross to become the sacrifice, to die in our place. And so now because of Christ, he stands in our place at the cross so that we can stand in his place before a holy God. The cost and the penalty of our sin there on the cross goes to Jesus and the blessing of his obedience now comes to us. Is there any better news in all the world? And the scripture teaches us that he led the sinless life and he died a sinner's death, but then he rose again victoriously from the grave, which is the proof that Jesus has the power over sin and death and nothing, absolutely nothing could stop him from bringing us back to God. Faith is real trust in the real work of a real person. And if that's true, if that's true, then there can only be one response. And that is to trust. You say, well, what's trust? I would say it like this. I want you to think of trust like two sides of the same coin. Two sides of the same coin, and it requires two things. Real trust first requires that we repent. You say, well, what's repentance? Well, it's turning from all the ways you've been trying to find and build your life apart from God. All the things besides God that you've been relying on for hope and significance and security. 
I think for some of us, it probably looks like running as fast and as far away from God as we possibly can in outright rebellion from him saying, I'm gonna build my life in the few short years that I have on anything that I find that I believe can bring me hope and significance. So for some of us, it looks like running far away from him. For others of us, it looks like we're trying to keep all the rules because there, it's there that we believe if I can do things just right, that will give my life meaning and significance. If I can be a good and moral person. And the Bible is teaching us, listen, if you want to trust him, you have to repent of all the ways that you're trying to build your hope and your significance and your worth apart from him, apart from him. But there's another side of the coin. It's not just that we repent. We also, we believe. It's to look at the work of Jesus and to believe that he's done everything necessary to save you. But I wanna be clear. It's not just believing the right things about God. Not just believing certain attributes, certain characteristics. It's never less than that, but it's more than that. It's to acknowledge, listen, it's to acknowledge that the baby born in the manger is the king who would go to the cross. The baby born in the manger is the king who goes to the cross. And true belief says to that king, command me, command me. I am yours and I'm gonna lay down my life to serve you and wherever you call me to go and whatever you call me to do, I am going to follow you. I imagine some of you are probably saying, well, Will, great, I understand that in theory, but can you help me see what real trust looks like in real life? And I would say to you, well, join me in just looking back at the story and thinking about everything we've already thought about. You wanna know what real trust looks like? It looks like a scared Virgin Mary saying to the angel with quiet confidence, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You wanna know what real trust looks like? It looks like Joseph, disoriented by the news that his future wife was pregnant and would give birth to the savior of the world, willingly surrenders himself to God's plan and obediently does exactly what it was told. You wanna know what it looks like? It looks like the shepherds quickly making their way to Jesus and then recounting to Mary and Joseph everything that they had saw and leaving that place, glorifying God and rejoicing in the fact. You wanna know what it looks like? It looks like the Magi. After finding this child, they look into his eyes and they bow down at his feet and they take their most treasured possessions in all the world and they lay it down because they knew they were in the presence of the king. This is what real trust looks like. It is real trust in the real work of the person, Jesus. Now I would imagine that there might be some of you who are thinking to yourself right now, well, Will, listen, if that's what works for you, then great. If trusting Jesus gives you purpose and helps you make sense of the world and experience some measure of peace in your life, then I'm pretty happy for you, man, good for you. That sounds great, but it's just not for me. Seems like you have this version of the good life that works for you and I'm happy for you. But perhaps you're glad that it works for some and you're kind of convinced yourself that in this moment, it's just not that big of a deal because you thought to yourself, well, if there really is a God, if there is a God and if that God is loving it all, then somehow in some way, everything's gonna just work itself out in the end. So I don't really need to be confronted with it in this way. Well, I wanna say to you, don't miss this. 
don't miss what I'm about to say. Because our decision to not trust or to trust has real consequences. You see, faith, faith is real trust in the real work of a real person with real consequences. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in the very next verse, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Listen, friends, I wanna be so clear. The consequence of not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ is eternal separation from God. John would say it this way, it's to perish. Listen, God won't force you to trust him because forcing you to trust him is not loving. That's coercion. He won't force you to love him. If we refuse to trust him, however, if we refuse to trust the gift of salvation that he offers to each of us, then we remain, as John reminds us in this passage, under his condemnation. And eventually, eventually, here's what happens at our deaths. When we cease to live physically at our deaths, the scripture teaches us that we will be eternally separated from God. We'll be eternally separated, that God will eventually give us over to what we desire most in this world, in this life, which is ourselves, to build our hope somewhere else. He eventually just gives us over to that and we remain forever and ever under the full and eternal wrath of God because we've not received the gift that he is willfully and joyfully offering us. And the opposite is also true, that the result of trusting Jesus is eternal life. It's abundant life now and an eternal life to come. It is full life in the here and now and eternal life in the future. Of how one author said it, it's in the future, in all of eternity. We're reminded as Jesus creates a new heaven and a new earth and we reign for him for, with him forever and ever that, the, that we're reminded that everything evil comes untrue and everything sad comes untrue. Can you imagine being in his presence forever and ever, the one for whom we find love and peace and joy and hope? Faith is real trust in the real work of a real person, Jesus that has real consequences. So this morning, I want to, with all of my heart, proclaim this incredible gift that's being offered to all of us. For the scripture says in John 1, and to all who would receive him, who would receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's a gift that is given, not something you can earn. And you receive this gift by trusting him, by repenting, acknowledging that you sought to build your life on something other than God and believing, trusting that he's done everything necessary to save you and saying to this king, I give you my life. I give you my life. And so on this Christmas Eve, would you, would you be willing to receive the greatest gift that's ever been offered? You know, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. I wanna invite you into that relationship that will finally and forever be the source of the peace and the hope and the joy and the love that you are looking for. 
You know, I've wondered, is it, is it exactly the right way to say this? Because I think it can be misunderstood. The good life is not found in those experiences and comfort. The good life is found in a person. Will you take hold of him and trust in him? Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Now podcast. We desire that Calvary would be a place of belonging and hope where no one walks alone. If you're not already, we would love for you to join us in person at either of our campuses on Sunday mornings at 9 or 1030. For more information, visit us at calvarynow.com.